Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Automated Seller Podcast. Today I have a special guest, David Abraham, CEO and founder of a e-commerce digital marketing agency, uh, Bluesoft Design. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, so yeah, David, uh, I know that we are running similar businesses in the end, those are agencies, but when it comes to e-commerce space, especially Amazon space, they vary a little bit from traditional, uh, Amazon agencies, right? I mean, when, especially in this industry, when you say agency, everyone kind of thinks that what you think is like, you are actually helping sellers to get on Amazon, but we are actually helping sellers a little bit in different, um, ways. So I know that you're running, um, e-commerce like digital marketing agency where you help with seo with social media with uh, websites right and for us it's actually also similar but we are going more into the custom software so it's still like a software but basically we're programming and, and developing like uh, automations integrations with existing systems uh, also for the amazon sellers and businesses around them um but yeah, before we start and before we dive deeper into um, your business, also our businesses like similarities and, and so on, I would love to ask you a little bit of your uh, journey and your history. So how did you end up in getting interested in e-commerce space, Amazon, before starting your agent agency? Absolutely. Uh, I hope you got some time. It's a long story. But uh... <laughs> You know, when I was when I was a kid, it it was always I was always interested in tech. When I was a kid, it was video games. That was like my thing, and I thought growing up I was going to be a video game developer. Right? What you know, was I, your favorite I, game? I my favorite game was the Legend of Zelda series. Oh yeah, the Nintendo. I know. I was a big fan. You can quiz me on anything; I'd probably <laughs> knock it out of the park. And I love it. For for years, I thought that was going to be my thing, and then it started translating more into computers. And, you know, after I got a certain age, I actually started building my own computers. I used to use spare parts from the computer lab in my school. I was friendly with the computer teacher. She used to give me spare parts. I used to build my own. And then it kind of developed into software um, and, um, you know, actual coding. So um, when I got to my senior year of high school, I took a Java development class um, that I really liked. And I started getting a you know, feel for coding and, you know, things like that. And then um, once I went to college, I went to college in New Jersey, Rutgers University. I started, um, you know, majoring in IT and I started taking some coding courses. And um, then it kind of started shifting into the languages involving, uh, you know, web design, web development. And that started becoming my focus um, towards the end of college. And... Okay. Once I started getting to the end of college, um, well, during my college years, I was dating my now wife, uh, probably from freshman to senior year. And when senior year rolled around, I had an internship for an agency in New York that I was planning on working full time for once I graduated. And throughout the year, you know, they kept prepping me for the full time position. They saying that once uh, I graduate, everything's lined up, everything's good. And when I started getting close to the end of my senior year, I proposed to my wife and mm -hmm. probably two weeks after I proposed to her, the agency I was interning for pretty much said, we gave your job away. You know, we needed, oh. uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a tough spot. You know, they said they needed somebody sooner. You know, oh, I really? said, you couldn't tell me two weeks before, oh, before man, I made yeah. all these plans, but you know, 
the world works mysterious ways. So, um, you know, I was getting ready to graduate, didn't really have a job lined up and I was looking around for another agency job and I found it very, very difficult to find a position because I knew a certain set of languages and all these other agencies had these different languages and frameworks that they wanted yeah. developers to know. And I just didn't hit the mark for anybody. So, so I, what, what was hot back in those days? So like what kind of programming languages? I know they wanted me to, I know Ruby on Rails was yeah. a big one. Python was for some software development, Python. And you were into Java, Java the most, right? Yeah, I was a Java developer, but my... It was at, my strengths were actually like HTML, CSS, a okay. uh, little bit of JavaScript, some jQuery. So mostly front end developer, yeah. Yeah, I was mostly a front end guy. I was not a you know a back end guy, and you know um, most people wanted a full stack developer. They wanted front end and back end. I was a front end guy, you know. So I knew my skills were good for something. I just couldn't find an agency that really um, you know needed what I had to provide. And, yeah. you know, I was getting close to my wedding day. I didn't have anything lined up. I was graduated from college at that point. And an opportunity came up where the idea was that I was going to start this agency as a temporary measure until I found a full-time position. You know, I mm -hmm. had a couple of family members that had companies of their own. They said that, you know, we'll be your first few clients. You can help us start our own thing while you try and find a full-time position. Yeah. But It's kind of like the, freelancing, it, basically, taking first gigs. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it was going to be a freelance spot until I found the full-time position. But the agency just naturally started developing on its own. And, yeah. you know, seven plus years later, here I am. <laughs> awesome. I, I really like the story, actually. I mean, of course, it really sucks that. <laughs> this happened like that they actually took your job away right they they picked someone else who would start earlier but on the other hand hey you are here right now with your own thing right so who knows exactly. if you just work for them then you wouldn't have you wouldn't run your own business yeah you want to you want to yeah. hear the irony in all of it that company ended up going under so you know i <laughs> i i really believe you know personally wow. that everything you know happens for a reason you can't Definitely. see it at the moment but you know, in hindsight, when you see the full picture, you know, I really believe in that. And things like Got this it. led me down a path that I'm, you know, very thankful and very happy for. Totally. Yeah, it's a very nice uh, story. And I know that naturally, at some point, once you're a freelancer, you're turning into agency. I mean, I know a couple of freelancers who are just a freelancers all the time. But if you have a little bit of the entrepreneurial spirit, then naturally, you'll just uh, become an agency. I mean, this is how we did as well. My story is a little bit different because I first was working for like a couple of companies. I was like uh, working actually, had three jobs. Uh, and then at some point um, when I had my last job, I even was working night shifts for one more company. Um, I had my own like class. I was teaching Python them after hours. So I was like really grinding. And then at some <laughs> point I was like, okay, I, I cannot do all the things. I, I, I think like I need to quit all of them. And I just want to be a freelancer and, and manage my own time and everything. So I kind of started this way that I was working. I gained experience working by for someone else and then quit, started freelancing. 
And then uh, once we get more and more clients, got co-founder and uh, also here we are with the developers. I'm not really touching coding coding anymore. Sometimes I kind of miss it. <laughs> yes, yeah. this is how I really, like I was really, I, I still am, right? Truly passionate about that. And I remember those nights where I just had this project and I was just coding for a whole night. It, it was magical. And now I'm just, you know, sending invoices. Yeah writing yeah, emails, think, the boring stuff. <laughs> I think it's just the natural development of a founder, you know, because I'm the yeah. same way. I liked the coding. I liked the front end part. But when you're scaling and you're trying to become, you know, bigger and bigger, you can't be hands on because then you're just limited to, you know, your own time. You know, it's not a plan. It's not a good setup for expansion. I mean, I still jump in here and there as a developer, like in emergency situations. Yeah, if yeah there's something. Same like really, really urgent, but for the most part, I'm pretty hands off, you know, yeah, I need, you're, you're the most valuable person in your company. You need to, you know, put your time where it's best spent for the growth. Totally. And, 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 I, and I agree. And I can tell that that was one of the hardest switches that I had running my business. So the point where I kind of had to leave coding, get the developers on that and focus on other things to the actual growth of the company and understand that company works like a system right and then eventually your time should be used somewhere else um because no one will give you a clients no one will do marketing for you no one will net network for you right and you really exactly. need to use time this to to run a whole business and grow so yeah yeah but that's that's very nice i one, one funny part is actually what happened for me is my first internship was in java and I hated it. I, I I really have a lot of respect for you that you like this language. For me, it was awful. I, I just couldn't really do anything in that. But I had very nice boss who understood that and let me use Python for that. So I actually yeah, learned a lot of Python on my internship. So that's also great. And I think that uh, I had a great boss because this is also sometimes you you need to be lucky. Uh, I, I could oh, yeah. be fired, right? Like I, I literally couldn't... Um, do anything there so but yeah, yeah i like it so here we are basically an uh, agency and now i want to ask you for the e-commerce slash amazon part because obviously i i can imagine that that was somehow very similar what happened to you that happened to us so you were probably developing solutions um building e-commerce websites for pretty much to everyone right i mean you couldn't say no to clients and then at some point your niche kind of was created like you kind of picked the niche and now you are in the mostly in the e-commerce slash kind of slash amazon community and i really want to understand what was your journey to to get there um because for example for us it was very funny because we had a lot of clients from many industries and at some point i, I thought that hey i just cannot jump from industry to industry because one day it was like automotive project and logistics manufacturing then it was relocation company and then it, it was huge mess like I was losing so much of the, um, how you call it, uh, willpower, right? Just on the switching the context. So because I created some automations and, and scripts with the SPAPI for Amazon sellers, then we kind of had to pick it. I recorded YouTube videos and now the marketing and word of mouth basically spread. And now we are only here. So I really mm -hmm. wonder what's, what's for you. How did you end up being in this space? Well, when I started developing, it was actually when I started building sites, it was actually WordPress sites and informational sites, you know, and just like anybody else starting out, I was kind of all over the place. I built for any industry. Yeah. I stuck to the platforms that I was familiar with. Shopify was not on my radar. Ecom wasn't on my radar. And I was when I did need to build out e-commerce, I was building out um, on WooCommerce. 
And the issue was that as time went on, these informational sites got very, very vague, very, very complex. I mean, at the height of me building informational sites, I built a social media platform for somebody, like an yeah. actual Facebook style social media platform, <laughs> all the bells and whistles, and it worked. And I was wow. very, very proud that it worked. The thing that stunk was that it was with a client that never ended up launching it because it really would have been a claim to fame. It was a, yeah. it was a social media platform that was based off of like a certain uh, popularity of something at a certain time that they only yeah. had a limited time frame. They didn't okay. capitalize on it. And then the whole thing became useless. But it was such a shame. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like as time went on, I started getting more interest from the e-com space. And I was also developing, I had a few problems that I needed to fix. Number one was that the people that I was building informational site, I needed recurring revenue. I needed recurring business. Yeah. And the guys that were building the informational sites weren't as vested in their sites as the e-commerce people. You know, the informational sites, they kind of just made it like a set it and forget it type of site. They weren't trying to capitalize on it. They just wanted something that was there. They didn't care about maintenance. They didn't care about marketing. And there wasn't so much opportunity for growth. And also, it was the fact that the sites were very vague, very complex. I felt like I started shifting towards Shopify because it was becoming so popular. They also had a great program for agencies that really sucked me in, a recurring revenue model for referrals. But it was just that the e-commerce guys had a lot more potential. They wanted to stick around. They wanted to grow. They, they were marketing opportunities. And, you know, I wanted a niche down at something that I was good at. I didn't want to niche. I didn't want to limit myself to one specific industry. You know, I know that a lot of people do that. They find a lot of success yeah. in it. It wasn't really for me. But I felt like kind of, um, you know, specific... Uh, niching down to e-commerce was a good fit. And I just really liked the Shopify platform also for my clients because a lot of them were new to owning a website, not tech savvy, needed something that was straightforward, easy yeah. to use. And faster and to deploy, would... right? F faster, much faster to build oh, yeah. than building backend engine from scratch, which we also did in the past, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's like Apple versus Android. Apple is very hand holding to people that are not so tech savvy. They you know they control everything for you, but because they do everything's straightforward, everything's smooth, everything's easy, everything interconnects. Yeah. You know, Android is very powerful in what it can do in its creativity, but it's less you know, seamless, less handholdy like Apple. So I look I at WordPress and Shopify the same way. WordPress, you have a lot of control, a lot of creativity, but, you know, when you're handing it off to someone that's not super tech savvy, it can be a little bit intimidating. Shopify is very easy, very straightforward, and, you know, just made and built for scalability. You know, they totally. have the resources and, you know, to just grow and expand. So... It ended up becoming a natural movement towards Shopify and, you know, e-commerce just ended up making sense in the long run. And I just ended up falling in love with it and really learning what the needs were for brand owners and for e-commerce stores and yeah. just really falling in love with it over time. That's awesome. So, yeah, really, really, I, I agree with all, all you say. That's that's also when it comes to for us, for picking the right tech, we, we also don't reinvent, reinvent the wheel, um, right? I mean, you can write 
whole app from scratch using, for example, like a framework, which still will save you a lot of time, like Django as a backend framework, but still when it comes to e-com, it's pointless to, to rebuild like a whole system, like card system, payment methods, um, yeah, everything, it's... right? It, it's just pointless. So I re really agree with that picking the right technology, like Shopify is, is great for e-com websites. We also built some of the uh, websites using, using Shopify. Mm. And we use the uh, Shopify headless as well. So we built the custom frontends and yeah. then use just the backend engine to, to, to handle actually like, yeah, as, as I said, payments, cart and so on. So, um, yeah. And now I want to ask you, David, for the whole process of actually um, building project for, for the client. So from, from like reach out of the client to you asking for the, for the estimate and so on, like through the design, through development, and then the maintenance, how does it work? So for us, so when someone signs up for a project, you know, they reach out, they get a proposal, they get, you know, they sign up, everything's good. They get an onboarding form. The onboarding form is very in depth. Usually takes about like 15 minutes to complete just a lot of direction for the designer. You know, do your, your fonts, your colors, the direction yeah. you want to take it in, design examples, things like that. And um, after you fill out the form, you get connected with your project manager who is essentially holding your hand and communicating with you throughout the project. And um, when someone submits the onboarding form, it goes to multiple people. It goes to our designer, goes to our project manager, goes to our developer, goes to our QA person. And um, the designer will come back with a concept for a homepage. And when we're designing out the homepage, one of the big things that we emphasize and really is one of the most important things as an agency for us is, is um, conversion. You know, like our, my tagline on LinkedIn is uh, designer and creator of shop of, of uh, websites that convert. You know, yeah. so when you're in the e-com space, it's dollars and cents. It's seeing the sales. So um, conversion and conversion optimization are behind everything that we do. So we have a specialist on our team that solely focuses on conversion. And when we're mocking up the first homepage and the first round of design for the other pages, our conversion specialist is auditing the designs and working alongside the designer to make sure everything is good and everything is set up properly. So um, the designer will come back with a homepage concept. Um, we have a couple of revision stages back and forth. And then once we kind of nail down the homepage, then the inner pages come through alongside mm -hmm. with the mobile mockups. So you see the desktop and mobile versions of each page. Um, every page gets a certain round of revisions and we have a yeah. feedback tool that we use an annotation tool um, called filestage.io, which allows okay. us to very easily get feedback from our clients. You know, we sh we present them the mockups. They can very easily annotate and show. What do you what use for designing actually? Like what tool? So our designer uses Figma, Figma. Um, you okay. know, just as, uh, and we have, um, you know, we do have uh, like photographers that we refer out to. We have content writers on staff and graphic designers yeah. on staff to help create content as needed. Um, you know, and um, the file stage was a huge help when it came to collecting, uh, you know, client feedback. Was yeah. Big. It's, you know, keeps track of the revisions. It keeps track of comments from revision to revision. So it was yeah, very Yeah, I wanted helpful. to ask actually, why don't you just use like Figma comments, right? So like w why this tool is better, but you just mentioned like revisions and it's just more complex, right? So yeah, Figma, Figma, I respect as a design tool. I know a lot of my designers love it. I'll never, um, you know, tell them not to use it. But even as a developer, um, 
I don't feel like Figma is very user friendly to those that are not familiar with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it number one, it can really, you know, if you have very heavy designs, designs with animations, it can really slow down your computer, it can lag a lot. Yeah. And um, you know, it can be kind of overwhelming for users that are not so tech savvy. So mm -hmm. I kind of stay away from Figma on the client side and prefer file stage because it's a little bit more straightforward and easy to use. Um, but I do let my designers just use Figma when it comes to actually mocking up the pages. Got it. Um, sure, sure. But once we nail down the design for all the pages, the designs are handed off to the developer. And also at the same time, the designer adds animations to the original mockups um, so that uh, the developer has them all in place by the time uh, they get towards the tail end of development. So the developer builds out the site for, you know, usually average about like two, three weeks. And then once everything is finalized, um, our QA person will go through and bug test the site, make sure everything's yeah. good. We'll knock out any final bugs, hand it off to the client for the final review. And then if everything looks good, we launch the site and we also send uh, instructional training videos to the clients on how to operate the site on the day to day. Got it. That's usually it. what it looks like from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty similar to, to, to what we do as well. So there, there's, yeah, there's development side, there's a stage, then there's a QA stage, there's a final revision with the client. And then of course, uh, if there are many bugs, if there are some problems, then still there, there, there's room for improvement. So oh, yeah. that's very nice. Um, do, what is like the average plus minus um, cost of the like e-commerce um, website, like really like if you could just say like minimum, maximum, like there's no maximum of course, but like right. just for the audience to, to understand what is kind of like the, the budget that they should aim for when it comes to building, designing the e-commerce, uh, Shopify e-commerce website from, from scratch. Right. So the question is a little bit loaded because pricing, if you're shopping around for agencies, I always tell people, you know, when they, when they come to us, I always encourage, um, you know, shopping around for different agencies. You know, obviously we'd love to, you know, bring in whatever business we can. And I always tell people that, you know, if you're looking just based off of price and price is the most important thing for you, we're not your guys. You know, we are more of an elevated agency, but for the time that we've been around, we're not the most expensive on the, you know, in our, we're the best bang for the buck, you know? Yeah. So you can find, uh, it, you, if you're looking to build out a website, you can find an individual who will charge you $1,500 and he's starting out and he's by himself and yeah. he's building out a site from a template and it'll just barely work. And you can also find an agency that's been doing this for 30 plus years that brings in all the bells and whistles, everything you could possibly need. And they're going to charge you $30,000. Yeah. You know, yeah, totally. and we're, we're in the middle of the spectrum. I mean, most agencies are determining their price based off of how long they've been in business, you know, and, um, you know, because the longer they've been in business, the more exper expertise they bring, the more resources they have, but also the more overhead they have. So if you and also, I think that they could be also more selective, right? So they don't, they don't have to pretty much agree to work with every possible client. Like, of course, first you need to really build portfolio, start working, not for free, but like for pennies, just to get out there. Oh yeah. So, if you're, uh, you know, that's one of the luxuries of being a bigger agency that's been around and reputable is you get to be selective, you know, but definitely. you're going to find pricing all over the spectrum. 
So as far as we go, we're kind of smack in the middle, you know, yeah. but the thing is that, the you know, we were very late to the game for raising our pricing, you know, because I was always scared to raise my pricing. I had to get past that if I wanted to bring in a better quality project and attract a higher quality client. I had to get past that fear, but I am late yeah. to the game. So most agencies that have been, we've been around for about seven, seven years. So most agencies around our time are usually charging anywhere between 12 to 15,000. We are charging a significant amount less than that. Um, it's that not going to stay that way. It's going to keep growing, you know, as the quality <laughs> of the project grows and we bring more into the project. But for the yeah. time being, we are a lot less than, you know, our nearest competitors. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty similar for, for us, right? There's always, there are always agencies that, uh, more premium, much more expensive, and only because, for example, they are working with corporates, so therefore they are in a very luxury position to 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 give you like crazy price. I mean, especially for custom projects, this is this is insane. Like I used to do this um, experiment. Like I I had a um, how you say requirements from a client to build a project. It was like a internal tool for for a company with like web scrapers with a database and then some kind of analytic tool and i went to just different kind of agencies to to check um how they can estimate it and i can tell you that the cheapest agency i found they said that they will build the whole thing for $5000 and the most expensive agency they said that they will build exactly the same thing for 300k dollars <laughs> and that was insane from there on i i i was like okay there's really like no sense really to like asking people because like there's it's really individual there's so much going on like especially for custom software um people also when they they got requirements they think different um they uh tend to like ignore a lot of facts that more experienced agency will take under cons consideration so that's the game right uh, in the end you really need to do uh, your research um and I think that it's very important also for all of the clients to like kind of have the budget in mind uh, because we have a lot of people who are coming, for example, to us, asking for us for the project. And then we are asking them for budget and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Please give me your price and then I will tell you if it's aligned. And mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, but it actually really gives us a lot of room to gi give you like the features of think like if we should start with MVP and so on. But like, right. yeah, I mean, that's yeah, the thing. That, that's what I warn people when it comes down to pricing is price shouldn't be the only consideration. I mean, think about if you're building a house. Do you want When you're building a house and you're going to live in it for the next 20 plus years, do you want a high-end architectural company with blueprints and designs and all these high-end things to make sure that this, the house is sound and built well, designed well? Or are you going to trust it to a handyman that's by yeah. himself, that's going to be building it? And, you know, you, you have to you have to consider big picture. It's not to say that you can't find an agency that will give you a good price. But there's a very popular saying that cheap is expensive. You know, you can <laughs> you can be getting it cheap. But if you got to pay the same guy the same price 10 times over because he keeps getting exactly. it wrong and you go through the headache, the hassle and end up spending more than if you just did it the right way the first time, you know, you, you're not going to be so happy at the end of the day. So. You just think about what stage you're at as a business, what your expectations are, and be honest with yourself. Because if it's just all about dollars and cents, you can find someone overseas that'll build you a cheap, decent website for $200. And if it's that's yeah. the only consideration, that's the only thing you care about, 
you can find that. But if you want someone who's going to think about the future, come up with a plan, strategize, grow the business, grow the website, big picture stuff, and you can see that picture and invest in it, that's a much different story. I agree. And I, I, I'm really happy that we recorded this. I, I wish I could just cut this part and send it to our clients for like uh, for the explanation of that. But yeah, I, I agree. We even have the one article on our website. Uh, it's called Upwork Freelancers versus a software agency like us. And then we just listed all of the differences basically between choosing like a very cheap freelancer who will mess up probably, who will disappear if there's a need. Um, and yeah, th those are all of the factors that you should also consider, right? Like oh, working yeah. with agency, this is like a very long-term uh, relationship. This is at least how we approach our clients. Like we want to work with them. We want to add additional features and in the end kind of become their technological partners. And then if you work with freelancer, you never know what he'll tell you tomorrow. I had like some of our clients, they had, they said that fr a freelancer built a fully custom-made project for them. And then overnight, he raised pricing from $60 per hour to $300 per hour. He just <laughs> said that. Yeah, I'll be working now for $300 per hour. If not, then I'm leaving and then the whole system could collapse, right? So they, we, 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 we went as an emergency and fortunately managed to help them. But uh, that was crazy, right? So especially like if you are business to business, like those kind of things there, it will never happen because in the end, like someone can just tell about your agency to the to crowd to the people and then you won't survive as a business yeah so agency also comes with a lot of conveniences too you know considering like you're hiring a freelancer first of all there's way more that goes into a site than just building you have design you have development you have written content you have images you have uh you know product description writing you have seo optimization you have all these things and chances are you're not gonna f it's hard enough to vet one individual person to find someone that's quality, but you're also unlikely to find someone that's a master of all of that stuff. Yeah. So you're going to have to find a content writer, a developer, a designer to really do it the right way. And you're going to be spending all types of time and all types of money that you're not expecting. Then if you just went to an agency and just did it all, you know, they have all these resources, they vetted all these people and they're also experienced that they know what to look for when you might not. You might have this person that's just feeding you information. You don't know whether it's true or not. You don't know what to look for until it's too late. And, you know, you're just trusting someone that, you know, you don't know if they have experience or not. You know, yeah. so there are a lot of factors involved. Not to say that Upwork doesn't work. There are a lot of talented people on Upwork. Oh, yeah. And you can find some definitely some hidden treasures on Upwork. But, totally. you know, it's not the end all be all. Yeah, that's how we started. Actually, we actually went on Upwork, and I got a couple of gigs there, and uh, I was just working from there initially. So yeah, you can find really great people. We use Upwork also a couple of times to find the great developers there. Uh, I know some of my friends who are running agencies; they're constantly using Upworks as well. Um, they manage to build like very long-term relationships uh, with them also. So yeah, yeah. it's not that it, it's never working, but there's just a lot of <laughs> a lot of cases where something can. Can yeah, a, lot, a lot of our team we found on Upwork too. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be people overseas or people in India. I mean, we have our project managers based out of Florida, our SEO yeah. managers based out of Arizona. We have had long, we've built long relationships with them over the last two, three years, and we met them through Upwork. You know, oh, yeah. like Upwork is just a connection tool. It's, you know, yeah. these are all individuals 
and individual agencies, and it's just a directory to help connect you. Doesn't mean that they're not talented. Upwork just gives you the upper hand in that these people have reviews. And if you hire them through Upwork, they protect your money until you know that the project is um, you know, taken care of. But not to say Upwork is bad, but there are a lot of people, there's a lot of competition. And it's very, it takes, it can be very time consuming to vet the good from the bad and to really, you know, find the proper team. Whereas with going with an agency that's all built, it's all together for you, ready to go. Exactly. You have this confidence that you can actually trust the whole agency. You don't have to worry about hiring people for all kinds of tasks. So that's why in, in the end you go, go to, to the agency. And now I, I want to ask you, David, also for your two other services. So I know that you're, other than websites, you're also helping with SEO um, and social media integration. Could you actually tell us a little bit about those, how actually they're creating the ecosystem in the end in, in your agency? Because I know that they are definitely doing that, but uh, I'm just cu- very curious how this all works. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to clarify one thing. The other services in social media, it's Google Ads. So we primarily Ads, yep. focus on the Google space and Shopify space, just to make mm-hmm. it a little bit easier. So once we get a website up and running, you know, I'm pretty blunt. I'm pretty straightforward with everybody we talk with. And, you know, I tell them, like, unless you have some established marketing, established reputation, you're building out this site. You know, we we are building out everything with conversion in mind. And you have this beautiful site that's now ready to present. You need people coming in the door. You know, you the, that's the two parts of the formula. You need people coming in and you need something beautiful to show them when they actually get, that's how you're going to get the sales. So we, we are, there are many parts of the marketing journey when someone's looking to start marketing their website. And there's a lot of different avenues. Um, you know, you have Google marketing, you have social media marketing, TikTok's up and coming now. You have email marketing, SMS marketing. Some people do mar- create apps, you know, based off of their websites and do uh, uh, mobile push notifications to do ad. There's so many avenues yeah. to take. And there's two main focuses when it comes to advertising. There's new customer acquisition, getting new people to find you have never found you before, never heard of you and customer retention which means you have an audience and you're looking to resell them over and over. So we focus on new customer acquisition and we focus on the first part of the marketing journey, which is Google marketing. That's usually the, that we believe is the best place to start because number one, it's very intent driven. So people that are seeking you are finding you on Google are seeking something out on Google. They're looking for something. If you sell shoes, your website showing up for a search term for shoes means someone's looking for shoes. So you don't have to yeah. work as hard to sell them like you would somewhere else. Um, yeah. It's also not gated by, um, you know, any kind of account sign up, anything like that. Anyone can use Google, anyone with an internet connection. So it's usually like the ground floor. So we usually start with the SEO because when we're building out the site, we're already building it out with SEO in mind. So we kind of laid the foundation. And SEO is fantastic because, um, you know, although it takes some time for it to work, it's one of the best forms of advertising, especially in the e-com space. More and more, they're starting to discover the importance of SEO. And it's really because SEO is a fixed rate type of marketing. You know, if you were doing something like Google Ads, Google Ads um, is a pay-per-click platform. So, you know, you're going to be making as much as you're spending. 
If you're getting a four to one return on every dollar you spend and you're making, you're spending a dollar, you're making $4. You want to make $8, you got to spend two. You want to make $12, you got to spend three. And it's a great way to, you know, start marketing and get at, you know, top results right away. Um, Usually within like three to five months, but, you know, to really start making it profitable. But, um, you know, you're only as good as your budget. And if, you know, it can scale up really quickly. But with SEO, SEO is all labor-based. There's no platform like Google Ads. So it's all fixed deliverables. You're getting a certain amount of content, a certain amount of hours, a certain amount of labor. So after you hit a certain point in the SEO journey, your traffic keeps going up and up, your sales go up and up, but your costs stay the same. So it's Mm -hmm. one of the most cost-effective types of advertising. And it naturally works along with the other type of advertising we do, which is Google Ads, because especially nowadays... Um, so we specifically focus on Google Shopping and, you know, Google Shopping within the last year and a half started emphasizing a lot more organic reputation, you know, having reviews. They're placing you alongside other people that sell the same thing with reputable stores, highlighting product reviews, highlighting store reviews and having an organic reputation is now more crucial for the success of a Google Ads campaign. So. We're usually pitching someone, you start with the SEO, you start naturally growing, you start earning rankings, earning position, getting some sales coming in, and then you use that to feed the um, paid ad side. And And, and for the SEO, David, for the SEO, do you actually also write uh, copy? Oh, yeah. Copy is the most important, you know, like the copy and backlinking is some of the most important Mm -hmm. things when it comes to SEO. So our content writer is fantastic. His name is Mike. We partnered him with with him in the within the last year, and he really started taking our SEO nice. campaigns to the next level. He's got his doctorate in English writing. He's been writing content for the last twenty plus years, and he's a phenomenal <laughs> awesome. writer. You know, the the key is writing content that's very informative, content yeah. that people really want to read, not just to feed the algorithm. None of the Chat GPT posts. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The truth is that if you put up a real well-written post up against ChatGPT and they were exactly the same content, Google can tell the difference. Google knows the difference between AI writing and natural writing, and they will favor naturally written content over AI-generated content. You know, so well-written content and good backlinks are what move the needle, you know, and... um, one of the leg ups that we have on the other agencies is that we have these relationships with publishing partners where we have fair content exchanges where we, you know, we provide them content, um, well-written content that also, you know, links and highlights our clientele as well as, you know, natural sources for the content. And we provide them with guest posting in exchange. We get, you know, uh, backlinks for our clients. Yeah. Everybody wins. It's an it's yeah. it's a natural process. It's not direct paying for backlinks. They're not we're not paying links from uh, link farms. It's just natural relationships we build, natural link building, and, and from I think reputable Google sites. It's right. I mean, nowadays, especially when I studied like algorithms of Google, buying backlinks is no longer the good strategy as it's used to. Right? You should have like the partners who exchange the content, creating like natural backlinks. That's basically what. What's in favor by by the Google algorithm nowadays? Yeah, you know, Google wants to see the you know natural backlink progression. They don't want to see just a hundred 
top tier backlinks posting overnight. Yeah. You know, they want it to be natural. And you also want to make sure that you, you that the sites are industry specific. I mean, every website has a domain ranking from zero to 100, zero being terrible, 100 being amazing. And you want to get backlinks from authoritative links and from links that are you know related to your industry. And if you start building that backlink profile over time, Google's going to reward you for that. You know, oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. it's those connections and the content that we build and the expertise that we bring that make us so valuable. I mean, it took a long time to get here. We spent Definitely. years trying to figure out the <laughs> SEO journey and there was so much gray area and nuance that we couldn't figure out that over time we found a formula that worked for us and that's focused on the e-com space. And it's just been working for all our clientele. It's been working phenomenal. That's awesome. That's really awesome because there's so many of really bad SEO general agencies, man. I can't really stress it enough. Like at some point we really wanted to jump a little bit more into the SEO game because right now we have very strong game on YouTube, on social media, like LinkedIn, Instagram. Like that's basically where we have a big following. But when it comes to SEO, I'm not going to lie, it's not the best. We wrote a couple of articles. They are working, but still, like we haven't really gone to any like backlink game, exchanging content and so on. So we simply requested a few estimates from a couple of agencies from Poland. And I'm not going to lie, one of those, I think we, we did it to like 10 agencies. One of those 10 agencies asked us about kind of our goals, like what we want to accomplish, ask us what we are actually doing. And nine out of those 10, they just sent us very general offer that they are sending to everyone without understanding our business, without understanding our needs, nothing. So yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. There's so many of those really, really bad agencies that are trying to even, I don't know, lie to people or like think that SEO is just something that you can copy and paste to everyone. No. I mean, go, there's so many different goals that you can have with your website. I mean, e when you're in the e-commerce space, it's easy to just think, okay, dollars and cents. Okay. I want to spend, I want to make, that might be your goal in the beginning. And that's an important overall goal, but sometimes it might be brand building. Sometimes yeah. it might be, you know, building up uh, trust. Sometimes it might be building your email list. Sometimes it might just, you know, building downloads to an app that you built that connects to your website, you know, like the goals change, you know, and it's important to understand your goals. And it's also important to understand your audience because yeah. every platform, every site's got a different type of audience with different intentions and not every one platform is going to work for everybody. You know, what well, might totally. work for you and what your goals are might not work for the next guy. You know, like I always say, it's very ironic because the one business that's the hardest to market and promote is our own, you know, because... <laughs> SEO doesn't always work for us because, you know, our ideal clients and the people that we're that we want to attract are not searching on Google for agencies and they're not, uh, you know, um, looking at Google ads for agencies. They're watching shows like yours. They're listening to podcasts. They're on LinkedIn. They're going to trade shows. It's a lot more of a manual grind than I than we would normally do for our clients. Yeah. And it took time to really understand that and really have that insight. But, you know, it's important to know where your people are. Yeah. And then, of course, when, when, you, when, you, when you establish this kind of connection, especially 
in person, that's that's totally different story than just searching by Google when it comes to working with agencies. Like I agree hundred uh, percent with that. But yeah, David, thanks a lot. That was very informative uh, conversation. Thanks for sharing all of your insights, uh, walking us through the process of like how the how actually it works when when it comes to like building the e-commerce store from scratch, like through phases like design phase, development phase, QA phase. I think it's very informative and I think it's very important to um, teach people how does it work, right? Because in the end, like I'm huge fan and that's basically how we got all of our clients almost of teaching our audience, like uh, how does it work? Because there's a lot of people who are scared to start, who don't know where to start, who doesn't really know anything about the uh, development process. So I think it's really important and i'm glad that we did this podcast together yeah same here i i also believe that when you have an educated client that knows what they're getting into that understands the process it makes the relationship between you and the client that much easier communication oh, yeah. is the key to project success so i'm a firm believer in that as well and happy to teach wherever i can oh yeah awesome thank you so david where where people can find you uh to if they are interested in building ecom website so if you want to reach out to us, the best place is on our website, uh, bluesoftdesign.com. We have our full portfolio over there, and we have a form that you can reach out to us on. If you want to start a project, you can give us a call anytime between uh, 9.30 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, our phone number's on there, or you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Very active on LinkedIn, especially if you want to learn more about the e-com space, SEO. Um, definitely connect with me there. Awesome. I'll make sure to also include your links and information uh, description of this. This will be on YouTube video. This will be on like a Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of the other platforms. So awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot, David. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You too.